Welcome to the No Podcast with me, Nikki Spo. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the No with me, Nikki Spo. Today, I am doing an episode within an episode. I recently had the opportunity to be a guest on my friend Will Beck's podcast, Pillow Talk with Pillow Cube. You may remember me hosting Will on my show where he spoke so bravely about surviving the Columbine massacre. Well, he graciously hosted me on his show and he asked me so many awesome questions. And well, I just wanted to share this interview. It's not often that I'm being the one interviewed and we had a lot of fun talking about life, talking about suffering or not, what it's like to be a coach's wife and so much more. So check out this interview and be sure to listen to the Pillow Talk podcast by Pillow Cube hosted by Will Beck. Enjoy. Welcome to the Pillow Talk podcast. I'm Will Beck. I'm your host. And today on the podcast, we have Nikki Spolstra. Nikki's a podcaster, mother, Miami Heat fan, and a woman of influence. Nikki, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Will, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited. And I didn't realize like that the show is called Pillow Talk. And I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. like, I thought it was like the Pillow Cube, whatever. So I'm like... I love Pillow Talk. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. So the great thing about Pillow Talk is just like a fun ring to it, you know, but there's also a hundred Pillow Talk podcasts out there. So if you search for us, we're like the 13th, but um, Pillow Cube podcast comes up number one. So it's like, you know, go ahead, search for Pillow Cube podcast, but you know, Pillow Talk for sure. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Um, How have you been sleeping lately? Okay. So obviously I'm, well, not obviously to you because we have, we know each other, but yeah. um, for the listeners, I'm now eight months pregnant. So sleep is like hard to come by, but I will say that I use my Neezy every night, my Neezy pillow. And that's been a huge help. Um, and I use my sidekick. I like the sidekick better than the long one. You're so I unique like in that. Over. You're, I know, you're like, right? Everyone's like, I like that other one better. <laughs> no, I like, because. No. You know what it is, is that I don't want to get so many wrinkles on my face. So I wind up sticking my, like half edge. my face off of the edge of the pillow of the sidekick pillow. So that when I roll over, I don't really have to roll that far. I'm just kind of like to the other side, half yeah. off. So you do roll over on the sidekick though. I do. I do. And I just reposition the pillow. Awesome. Yeah. Most people, they like the long one because they can roll over easier, but it's interesting. You're keeping that skin. Looking young. It's great. I'm like trying to smash my face on it. You get what I'm saying? No, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's why a lot of people like our silk pillowcases too. We don't have a silk one for the sidekick, but we have a silk for the uh, the side sleeper uh, pillow. Well, it works uh, out. Yeah. So when you're pregnant, do you roll over as much or do you kind of sit um, in one spot more? So I do. I roll over just because... so. Every pregnancy so far, this is my third pregnancy and, um, I get RLS. I got, I get restless leg syndrome, okay. which is so aggravating. So what is it's that? Like, like, I don't know anything about it's it. It's like this uneasiness in your legs where you feel like you have to like shake your legs like this. Really? It's is horrible. It constant? Like pins and needles. It'll be, yes. Like once it starts, it like just doesn't stop. And then it's mm -hmm. in your head and it's like this, it's like an avalanche. And so Sometimes I have to get up and walk around. I try to wear compression socks. Sometimes I like massage my calves. Um, the only thing that's really helped me so far, and I don't know if this is even like a well-known thing in the RLS community, but is I rub peppermint oil on my calves mm. and that usually helps settle. I don't know if it just, it's like a placebo and it just takes my mind off of it or just actually kind of like the tingle, like it's like a counter tingle. It's a, yeah. It's like another sensation. I think it, Probably right. like replaces the processing in your brain a little. So that has been helpful for me. But because of that, I find myself like I need to keep my like the blood circulation going in my body. Mm -hmm. And so I do find myself like rolling over and moving a lot at night. Mm -hmm. Do you have to do stuff during the day to keep the circulation going more? Like, are you stretching or what do you? I'm stretching. Magnesium is supposed to help. So I take a magnesium mm -hmm. supplement. Um, and then, you know, I'm pretty active. Like I work out pretty regularly. Um, I am very active with my two sons who are two and four years old. So I move around a lot. I wear my compression socks and, you know, I'm at being at the tail end, your feet get swollen and then yeah. like, 
such a fun time, especially like here in South Florida. It's so hot outside. Yeah, you could have planned it a little bit better, you know. I know. This is my first pregnancy, (laughs) actually pregnant, like in the thick of summer. Mm -hmm. So with my other two, I was like in the fall and the winter. And that presents other problems because then you have a newborn like in the thick of summer and it's pretty gross. You don't want to strap them onto you. You don't want to go for a walk (laughs) outside. And like we were talking beforehand, sometimes all you need to do is go outside and see the sunlight. And it's just so hard to do that in the Miami summer. The Miami yeah. heat is a real thing. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. like it wasn't it an accident. <laughs> Miami heat. Oh man. Uh, so when is the baby due? October 20th, which is awesome because my favorite, I love Halloween and I love fall Yeah. and I love like costuming. And I like, I just, I get such a kick out of getting ready for the, the fall and winter holidays. How close is that to opening day? Is that like immediately? Yeah, this year, I I looked at this. The schedule just came out. The, the NBA schedule just came out. And right now, I'm not sure like what our home opener is because like sometimes we start on the road, sometimes yeah. we're here. And right now the schedule, the way I, I'm looking at it, it's kind of like all, all over the place, but it is around. And then my husband, yeah. Eric's birthday is November 1st, All Saints Day. So yeah, it always falls around his birthday. And Halloween. Yeah, I, I can't remember if last year they had it earlier than I, it was in October last year. I remember oh, that's a little earlier. I, I think they had a little shift to the schedule, but well, yeah, because we had, I mean, we had the NBA bubble a couple of years ago and everything with COVID. We had there was one year where it was just like back to back. Like I remember it's the, the year guys, after COVID. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Like the teams and you know, the heat, we went all the in in when the when the NBA bubble took place. The Miami Heat went to the conference to the finals, right? Yeah, yeah I remember the Lakers. And so I remember we sent all the all the guys off, right? And you're like, okay, it could be a week, it could be three months. Like we don't know. And I had mm-hmm. I had a four-month-old and I had just started my sobriety journey. And so my husband Eric um left the NBA bubble and every week was just like, we're in it again. We're in it. Like we made it to the next round. We won the next game. We're all going on to the next round. I'm so round. happy for you. I'm so right. I'm like, I'm so happy for you. I'm here by myself. Oh. But ultimately, you know, this is what our family, this is our, our family life. So mm-hmm. it was, a, it was, a, it was amazing. I got to go to the finals with my youngs, with my older son. And, um, but they got oh, they let some people come in for a little bit, huh? So yeah, there was a structure. Like at first they let player wives come mm-hmm. and spouses. I mean, so spouses and significant others. And then like for the finals, they allowed like the coaching staff and like the like external, like the training staff, mm-hmm. like their significant others to come up as well. Um, but that said, like he got back in October and they started in December. Like there was no off season. Like the next season started right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right that- away. It would be a crazy time for you guys as a basketball fan. I loved it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, great, like no gap, you know, because basketball all year round. Right now, there's been a gap of the last five weeks have been the most boring weeks in sports history. I feel what's it's happening. Like, it's like baseball right now, or what is it? Oh, I, baseball just doesn't do it for me anymore. And the mm-hmm. only thing has been like, oh, Kevin Durant, will he be traded? Will he not be traded? Right. Like all now the that's trade. over, you know. And so it's like just sitting here, like cool, nothing to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are there anything like other than like being pregnant, like things that like make it hard for you to sleep normally? Temperature outside of being pregnant or while I'm pregnant? No, just outside of being pregnant, like normal things that are like, Hey, I sleep really hot or I, you know, noise or totally. So actually my husband and I are really serious about sleep. Like Mm -hmm. he, he's actually done. I'm a pretty good sleeper, but he has actually gone and done like sleep studies where he sleeps at a place and they assess his sleeping, which is like, mm-hmm. so to me, it seems like so counterintuitive because you're sleeping in like a foreign. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be the same hooked up to you. And you're like, I'm like, how like that doesn't seem very comfortable to me, but there, yeah, there are certain things. Like I like the room to be pitch black, you know, and it's, it's so tough sometimes because like we have an alarm system in, in our bedroom. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like that has a blue light. Yeah, drive me crazy, <laughs> you know, or like the gap. We have blackout shades, but it's like that one little gap. Like it, I can it, see it the seems light brighter the almost on. because of it, you know. So there's that, but then I need the room to be really cold, which is where your cooling pillow has been super helpful. 
Um, I like to feel like I'm freezing and then the covers are like really cozy, cozy. Our little dog sleeps with us. Um, and she like, she's wonderful. I love snuggling her, but like the sleep specialists, apparently are like nothing else should be in the bed, like you Mm -hmm. and a weighted blanket and your pillow and that's it. So it's like, it's a balance of, do I want to cuddle my dog? And do I really want to deal with her? Like yelping if I put her in the other room? Yeah. Dogs are tough at night. I actually had a neighbor's dog wake me up the other day, at like three in the morning and just barked literally all morning. I was like, thanks. Oh <laughs> Bring your dog in, please. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So we, I, I'm, I'm really sensitive to temperature in general. Like I keep the house really, really cold at night. Yeah. In uh, South Florida, you need that. You totally. Well, and that's the big thing in Florida. Like everybody jokes, you don't need it. You can go out in a tank top. No, you, you cannot leave your house without a jacket because anywhere you go in Miami, they have the AC pumping and you <laughs> yeah. are going to freeze inside. And not only that, but it's like, you've been outside and you, so you've like got a little bit of like moisture yeah. skin happening and you're a little damp and you go inside and then that sweat turns into like cold water (laughs) on your skin and then you're cold. So you like always need a sweater or like a cardigan or whatever, a hoodie to go indoors in Miami. So if you were to think about yourself, like what makes you Nikki Spolstra? How do you define yourself? Honestly, I've like tried to stop defining myself. I don't know if that was the answer that you were looking for, but I take the honest answer. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Defining myself because I think for so many years, Will, I was trying to define myself. I was trying to say, I am this. Mm -hmm. And I heard something the other day. I don't know where I heard it, but it was like the message from God is, I am. I just Mm -hmm. am. Like, I am. I exist. Like, even just saying, I am, like, gives me goosebumps because I'm like, I am not one thing. I am all of the things like, and I am everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm nothing like all at the same time. It's like this really crazy. I don't know. That's something, maybe that's like overly spiritual for this chat, but that's really, really how I feel. And I've really just been in, intentionally trying to move away from what defines me. Like when I think about, it's so funny that you asked that too, Will, because I have a, <laughs> for my podcast, I have a potential guest questionnaire that I have people fill out from time to time. And the first question is, who are you? Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting to see how people react to answering that. People sometimes just say their name, like, oh, I am a business person. I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a this, I'm a that. Some people say I am a soul on this mm-hmm. earth. You know, like I am a woman, I am a mother. I am. And, and so I am all those things. Like I am, I'm, I think first I'm a spirit. I'm a soul. I'm a child of God. And I am also a daughter, a friend, a soul sister, a soul mate, a partner, mm-hmm. a wife, a mom, a dog mom, a helper, a healer. This is, it's like the list could go on. You, you are. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, um, the not defining yourself because you have freedom to be who you want to be and do what you want to do. And at the same time, I'm like, there are certain things about my soul that are just, I feel like I was born with that inside my heart, you know? And it's like, this is kind of who I am, you know? It's, yeah. uh, our, our emotional makeup is funny, you know? I totally get that. Um, so my next question is going to be, how did you become that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I can still answer that. I can still answer that is, yeah. Will, you know, how did I become this where I just feel like I am? I am. Um, I became that, which is myself, mm-hmm. through trying to be everything else mm-hmm. and not feeling satisfied. So... What were you trying to be like trying to be everything to everyone? What was it? What's your, I was trying to fit into, I was trying to fit into the box of what I thought society needed me to be. Like, yeah, this is what you need to be, to be a good person or a good mom or cool um, wife, whatever, all of Mm -hmm. it, you know? Um, And in every like point and trajectory and pit stop in my life, like for a long time, I was, 
a professional dancer and I danced my whole life and this is what you have to be. Mm-hmm. And that I, I started to identify as an artist and this is what made me an artist. Like I had to fit into this mold of like, oh, well, artists don't do that. And I'm, I, I got to a place where I'm just like, the rules are not for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I think, and I, and I think this is about relationships in general and parenting. It's like, you make your rules for your family. And even like from a spiritual standpoint, like I believe, you know, I, it's so funny because I posted something about the God of my understanding. I call the God of my understanding, the universe, like people call it Jesus and like every, all the other names for the God of their understanding. And I remember somebody coming to my page and saying, well, like there's only one God. And and I understand that because I actually also believe that there is only one God. Mm -hmm. I just think that we call it different things and it means different things to different people. And on that note, it's like coming up with what the rules are for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like what makes you feel most alive and connected to source as you understand source and lets you step into your purpose in life on your terms, rather than allowing yourself to be influenced by what society or other people dictate should be Mm -hmm. your role in a family system, in friendship systems, in a societal system. Do you feel like society dictates what you need to be um, a lot? Or do you feel like a lot of that is your feelings about what society dictates, you know, yeah, I, I, I think, think sometimes our mind is so hard on ourselves, you know, and it's totally not as much like, you. like your friends that aren't like, Hey, need Nikki, to do you this. Need to, yeah. But we're like, I need to do this because other people will expect it of me, but maybe they don't. <laughs> we think it, we make it up. And I yeah. think it takes a lot of, of self-awareness and intention to come to that realization. Also, that it's not always society. It's what we think society is saying we should be or do. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it goes hand in hand. Like, I think there are certain things, right? Like, especially with gender roles, I think that that is a definite, like, society, societal expectation, you know, that has been handed down from generation to generation. But, like, things are shifting. And I think that, like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, you can make it up for yourself. And you don't have to fit into anything that you think is happening. Yeah, I think when we give ourselves the freedom to live our own happiest life and do what we want to do, uh, it is makes us more happy. But at the same point, it's like when we have that freedom to do whatever we want to do, it's like, are we doing things only for us? And are we becoming narcissistic at that same point? And that's where it's like, maybe we should think more about others. You know, uh, this is just my, uh, my f- one thing on happiness is like, when you think about other f- people first, you're going to be happier. And so that's like that balance in life is like, I need to focus on me and others. <laughs> you know, I think um, it's definitely, I think you're onto something. I definitely think that it is a balance because like on one end, I'm like, when I live in my truth for me, I know that I'm helping people. Yeah. It's not like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like I know that for me, podcasting and having really vulnerable authentic conversations with people helps other people, right? Uh, a healthy Nikki is the best Nikki for making an impact. Totally. I mean, and one of the things that's something that's been like circulating in, like around my mom friends, for example, is like this pregnancy and this birthing process, I've made the decision that I, and this could change once I have my baby, but I made this decision, this decision that I don't want to nurse this mm-hmm. time around. I nursed my, both my two boys and it was really, really mentally difficult for me. Like Mm -hmm. I believe firmly that it affected my mental health. And now I'm like, you know what? I'm making a decision for myself and for my entire family, not just, not just for myself, but like Mm -hmm. a happier version of me as mom and provider and, you know, emotional support and all these other things that I am right. To come full circle. I'm set up for success to do that. Like if I fill my cup and I take what I need, I know that my two, and my four-year-old who are paying attention to my, to my energy. Now they're old, they're definitely old enough to pick up on my vibes. 
I can better serve them. I can be more better equipped to like show up for my school drop-offs instead of like feeling frantic, you know, and being able to connect with them because I'm not so worried about the mental strain that it, and the mental tension that it causes me and the anxiety that I experience when I nurse. And that again, like, I'm also not married to that idea. Like I could have the baby and it works out and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Let's roll with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I really like about you and I've seen it a lot in your conversations is how aware you are of yourself. Oh, and, uh, thank you. you know, being aware of your own health is important to be like, Hey, you know, I would love to be able to nurse, but that might not be the best thing, you know, and the That's best cool. and highest good for, for all involved, for your whole family. Yeah. <laughs> for the whole family. We'll see. Uh, we'll cross this, We'll cross that bridge when I get there. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Moulin Rouge. Okay. I like just had that conversation. So it was like fresh. I'm like, already know. Somebody just asked me that yesterday. Moulin Rouge was like the first movie that um, I was like 15 when I watched it. And it was the same time I listened to the Red Hot Chili Peppers album, Californication. Yeah. I love that one. And so I'm a diehard Red Hot Chili Pepper fan. And I'm going to the concert next week with like my belly out and like space buns and glitter (laughs) and like the whole bit. Um, Cause I'm like so diehard. Like I, I, I like, it's like oh, borderline religious experience for me to like put my hands in the air and like feel the music. And it just takes me back to a time in my life, which is where Moulin Rouge comes in, that I was like so impressionable. And I started to feel the magic of the world. Mm-hmm. Like 15, 14, 15 for me was like a real turning point where I was coming into myself and discovering what beauty meant to me on a soul level, not like just an aesthetic appearance level, but what it what being a beautiful person beauty on the inside really Mm -hmm. meant to me. And so the chili peppers and Moulin Rouge, like really opened up my brain to all this like creative and like just beautiful energy of of literally like of creation, what we can create Mm -hmm. as people, what God creates in this world, you know, like just all of it. So that's my favorite movie. What's your favorite song by the chili peppers? Um, I like dosed. I like can't stop. I like wet sand. Like from different albums, you yeah. know? I like The Other Side. Oh, yeah, The Other Side. There's a really good remix to that, too. I'll have to other check that out. Awesome. Um, what is the uh, best part about being an NBA coach's wife? Um, it's generally very difficult. Because <laughs> <laughs> so there's no good parts. It's just... <laughs> no, there are amazing parts. There are amazing parts. So I, like, grew up not watching basketball or mm. any sports for that matter. Like, I grew up doing art and dance and music. And I was not a sports girl. And after, you know, I danced all throughout my life and my dad was like, what are you going to do for dance after high school? And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to, I was going to art school. I had a, a scholarship to do fashion design at the art Institute in Miami. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to keep dancing. And he's like, well, why don't you try out for the Miami Heat dancers? And I'm like, because mm-hmm. they're not real dancers. They're cheerleaders. <laughs> Which I had also been a cheerleader. Like, yeah. no shame on the cheerleader. But I was like, that's not real dance. And, you know, I come, my dad was a firefighter. My mom was a teacher, like working class family. And my dad got, like, convinced his dentist to give him lower bowl tickets to the Miami heat game. And the mm-hmm. sole reason I went to the Miami heat game was to watch the dance team. Mm-hmm. Like I took pictures on my digital camera of the girls on like with the women dancing at, at whatever the timeout dances that they would do. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Didn't watch any of the game. Could care. I could like, I did not care yeah. about the basketball game. I tried out for the Miami heat dancers. I made the team. I was like, Oh my gosh, I made, they picked me. And I realized really quickly that they were real proper dancers. I met Eric and didn't care about basketball still. He was an assistant coach at the time. And I thought he was an assistant to the coach. So mm-hmm. I thought if this was like, he gets the coffee for the coach and he earns <laughs> for the coach. He's a nobody. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm like, he's so cute and he's so nice and he's so funny and he's an assistant to the coach. Cool. He's a cute guy. I can admit it. <laughs> you know? Um, so 
we became friends for, and he, I remember he tells me, oh yeah, Nikki, I got a promotion, which by the way, that year we got quizzed. Like they would quiz us every once in a while and be like, who's the head coach of the team? Who's the owner of the team? I mm-hmm. failed the quiz. I'm like, I don't know. That was the year that like that. Okay. That was the year that Stan Van Gundy was the coach. And then Pat Riley took over. Took over yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was all a very confusing time for me. It I was, was like, a pretty intense wait, time. Keep there changing it up. Of- There's a lot happening. So failed the quiz, whatever. Eric then tells me he gets a promotion. I'm like, that's great. What does the assistant to a coach, like, how do you get promoted? Like, what's next? He's like, it's the head coach. I'm like, doesn't make sense. Don't <laughs> you. I'm like, I don't understand how that works out. How do you go from being the coffee guy to the head He's coach? Like, you really have no clue. And on some level, like maybe I romanticize this. I think we both laugh about it, but I'm like, maybe he liked that, that I wasn't so like all up in the NBA mix, right? Because like, sure there are people who like train their whole lives to be all up in the NBA mix. Mm-hmm. But that said, like, I've learned a lot about basketball. Like I go to basketball games now, you know, my friends are like, you know, so much about basketball. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I do. I pay attention. I learned a lot. I'm like, quiz me. I'm like, quiz me now people. So the best part, I mean, honestly, Will, I feel so lucky to be with a person who is passionate about what they do mm-hmm. and can make an excellent living doing it. Like oh, yeah. I love being able to see my spouse, like go into work. and feel fulfilled even on the hardest days, you know, like it's NBA coaches. Life is not easy. You win the games and it's because the players are amazing, which, and, and the players, all, of course they deserve like all the credit. If mm-hmm. you lose the game, it's usually the coach's fault. Right. Yep. And like, for the most part, the coaching profession is very unstable. Coaches are getting fired all the time. You know, Eric has had so much good fortune and has had so much support from the Riley and the Arison family to be in the position that he's in Mm -hmm. with the team for so long. It's like, it's so uncommon. It is. He's probably like the third or fourth most longest tenured coach in the NBA. Second most tenured coach. Second, in the yeah. NBA, the Greg Popovich. Popovich, so, yeah. Yeah. So that's really incredible. Um, I would say that the best part is being able to go watch him do what he really, really loves. And another thing that I really love about, I don't know if, about like being a coach's wife, but just like about basketball in general is like how it brings people together. Mm -hmm. Um, I love history in general. Like I love the history of fashion. I love the history of art. I studied art history in college. Like I love the history of how things were and how they are now. And I had an opportunity to go to the NBA hall of fame a couple summers ago. And when Chris Bosch was being inducted and Rick Adelman was being inducted and it was just so incredibly inspiring to listen to everybody speaking about their experience. And I was moved to tears by like the contribution, the NBA is 75 years old. It's very young. It's still very young. So you have people today that are alive and well, that have had major impacts on the NBA as we know it today. Mm-hmm. You know, and that they changed the course or the trajectory of it. And so I was just moved to tears by like, the influence and the impact that these individuals have had. And um, I think it's really important to see for young Asian boys and girls to see a person who looks like them Mm -hmm. um, in Eric's position. Yeah. I have always admired Eric before I knew you (laughs) Um, just because he was a guy that started it in like the film room video room. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just a guy that seems like he loves basketball. He does. You know, and he's just into it. And he also came in at a kind of unusual time because it was like, hey, this is LeBron James. (laughs) You know, like, come try to, like, manage the greatest player in the NBA and, uh, you know, get his respect. And he did it. You know what I mean? And and had great success there. And that's that's pretty impressive thing. So um, why did you want to get into podcasting? Uh, okay. So I started my sobriety journey in April of 2020, like right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. my life was falling apart. I was drinking myself to oblivion a lot of nights. And for the most part, you know, 
I'm so grateful that I had support like with my kids and everything. They were so, so little. Um, but then when COVID hit, it was just like, there was no hiding that there was no, nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of my problems surfaced really quickly. Just like really came to the surface. Like a lot of people, like marriages were affected. Mental health was affected. Kids, you know, like older kids who were in grade school were affected. Like it was a really, obviously a really difficult transition for so, so many people. People were literally, as you know, unfortunately dying. Yeah. Literally. And so I started my sobriety journey. I had never hated myself more than at that like rock bottom in my life. Like I had gotten to a point where I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to like kill myself, but I didn't want to live either. You were not happy with who you were. You're like embarrassed of it almost. Yeah. I was ashamed. There was like a tremendous amount of shame and guilt and disgust about myself. And slowly, literally one day at a time, like that's a big message saying in, in many 12 step programs, but literally one day at a time. And sometimes it was like 20 minutes at a time. I started to develop um, a relationship with the God of my understanding. I started to rediscover like who I was as an, as a soul. Mm-hmm. And I started to have like very real and vulnerable conversations with people from all walks of life. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if we could bottle, if I could bottle this up and just give it to people, mm-hmm. um, there's tremendous power in community and shared experience. And so I started my podcast because I wanted to create a sense of community for women who might be feeling like I had been feeling. I'm my target demo. Like the, mm-hmm. ver- the version of me from a couple of years ago is my target demographic. Like the, the woman who like desperately wants to feel a sense of community, the woman who needs permission to invest in herself so she can be a better version of herself so that she can go out into the world and serve in her highest purpose. I wanted to create a platform where women can come and feel connected, less alone. And like, they are worthy of doing the work, the healing work on themselves so that they can go out and be the best versions of themselves. That's really Mm -hmm. why the podcast started. And that's why it's called the no, right? It's not like a lot of people mistake the name for in the know, like this is like, what's going on in the Mm -hmm. know, like we're (laughs) in the know about like, what's the cool thing. And it, it can be confusing because like, I love talking about makeup and beauty and hacks and mom, this and recipes and what I'm doing, what I'm buying to get, make my life easier. But the no, the foundation of the no is like that is really it's coming into a place of the deepest inner knowing with yourself. And I really appreciate that you mentioned, Will, that I seem very self-aware um, because that's what the podcast is about, is mm-hmm. coming to a place of deep inner knowing with, within yourself and then celebrating that so that you can give it away. You mentioned something on the uh, podcast. You were talking about suffering a lot recently. And I was like, huh, she's thinking about it in a really different way than I think about it. You're like, I don't want to suffer. I was actually listening to this um, talk this morning and it was somebody saying like, I want to be like that person without having to go through what they went through to become that person, um, which is kind of a funny idea Um, because suffering, there's good from it and bad from it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's such a, a interesting balance. And a lot of times, like when I think about my life, I think about the bad things I've been went through and how, how those have Shaped made you. me who I am. So I'm like, I'm thankful for the suffering. Um, but then at the same point, it's like, yeah, I don't really want to have to live that way. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a well, funny. I think it's 100%. There's, um, I'm going to pull up a quote. So, but to your point, while I, while I pull that quote up, because I think it'll be worth sharing with your listeners. Um, the point of when I was, when I was having that dialogue is not to say that I refuse suffering and I'm just not going to, I don't want to suffer anymore because I'm done suffering and I've been through enough suffering. I think it's really about being able to observe your suffering and choosing not to suffer in it. Yeah. To, to like find like happiness wild, in it. Yeah, and to, like to be find like, the hey. beauty and the joy. And like, I am actively choosing, even if this is a period of suffering, like, and I think in that, to- in that conversation, I was talking about like how, 
difficult it was for me to cope with my son's diagnosis of Burkitt's lymphoma and like mm-hmm. him losing his hair and him, my four-year-old going through chemo, you know, that was a lot for me. And I would have nights that I would just cry mm-hmm. into my pillow or like a girlfriend would let me call them in the middle of the night, you know, to, to just vent, you know, cause my husband and I were switching from the hospital mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and just choosing to say like, okay, I'm still going to go out to dinner with my friends and I'm still going to see my friends Mm -hmm. and I'm still going to host my podcast and I'm still going to connect with other people and I'm still going to serve other people and I'm still going to volunteer with the charity, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm still going to like show up for my friend's baby shower. Yeah. And like in that, I'm like saying, I am not, I am choosing not to suffer. I think you're overcoming, you know, it's like, Hey, you have this thing in your life. That's this giant roadblock. And you're saying, I'm not going to just lay down and die. I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to beat that. And during that whole process, still be happy. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't allow themselves to do is like, hey, I've got to be miserable now because this thing happened to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, When my sister passed away, I felt like I had to be sad. Yeah, I understand. And I was like, oh man, I just can't even experience happiness right now or I feel almost bad about it. You know, and I don't think we have to do that. Um, for a moment after she died, I shaved my beard into a mustache mm-hmm. um, because I thought I looked so silly with it on that when I looked in the mirror, it made me happy. <laughs> I was like, I, I need to do that. that to be like, uh, you know, have to a find smile. the joy to yeah. find to create mm-hmm. to intentionally create the joy. So this quote is by Elizabeth Kubler Ross, and I want to read it for you. She says. The most beautiful people we have known, and we're not talking about aesthetic beauty here, right? Like the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat, known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These people have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. Yeah. It's so true. Like our life, it like chips away at us and it like polishes off the rough edges. Mm-hmm. And if we choose to embrace it, like we do become better people. That's one of the things I love about being married. Uh, and I have a, a wife that's just a phenomenal person. Today's her birthday. Happy birthday, Julianne. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, but that, you know, we've been married for 17 years and Same. we both look way different, you know. I'm probably less cute than the day that we got married. I have less hair for sure. And I'm definitely heavier. But I look at her and I look at me and I think, man, we are both a lot more beautiful people than we were Amen. the day that we got married, you know? And uh, it's been fun to see that in her and her just develop and be this like amazingly beautiful soul, you know? And, you know, that refinement is part of the process of life and relationships mm-hmm. in general, you know? I think that our, our souls come into this earthly world. Beautiful period. Mm-hmm. Like totally beautiful, beautiful from birth. Yeah. From birth. Right. Like I think about that a lot. Like when I, as a parent, I think about who my children are as souls before they even came to me. And I know this is like super woo woo for, for many people, but this is how I love I that stuff. So go for it. it. <laughs> oh, let's talk it up. So I like to think about that. And I I went through this with my mom when she passed too, is like, I had so much anger and resentment towards my mom for the things that she did to me when I was little and in my own recovery process and my own forgiveness process and my own journey of like letting go my resentments towards her. I was able to really see my mom as a beautiful soul that came to this earth and experienced some horrific earthly tragedies that crushed her. And now that she's passed on, um, I'm in this spiritual way, like reestablishing my relationship with her soul where I'm like, you are still beautiful. Like your soul was not a reflection of what you went through on this earthly, in the earthly Mm -hmm. world and the things that happened to you when you were little and the things that you couldn't overcome, you know, the things that you couldn't pull yourself out of your own depths to go get the help that you needed so that you could be better. Um, Because I think that our souls are pure when they come here. Yeah. And when they leave. I think there's something too there about you like develop, like 
improving that relationship even after your mom is gone is like you are giving her grace and forgiveness and allowing you know any lingering tough feelings to like go away yeah and that allows you to be free and happy and then when you guys greet each other again you can be like it's all love well that's what forgiveness is isn't it well like yeah Forgiveness, yes, we forgive other people, but like when we forgive people, it's for us. It really is. is, It's an act of Mm -hmm. of courage and and the pursuit of freedom for ourselves. Yeah, it it like takes our own chains off when we forgive others because then we're not like bound by anger (laughs) and jealousy and, you know, just a kind of mean feeling. So totally, totally. uh, When you do your podcast, like how are you trying to influence people like what are you trying to um i think for the most part i'm trying to be thought provoking mm-hmm. so i just released an episode set that was called who is influencing you mm-hmm. and i talked about like some of the biggest influences in my life like i appreciate you that you um in your introduction for me you called me a person of influence or a woman of influence woman of influence yeah i really appreciate that um i think a lot of people struggle with the word influencer right because of mm-hmm. what it's become socially um, I think that we're all people of influence as, especially parents, right? Like mm-hmm. we are, we all have, inf- we have influence period full mm-hmm. stop. Um, so I'm in a space with my podcast where I, it's my goal to be thought provoking. And with that episode in, in particular, um, I went through a list of the people and things that I am most heavily influenced by. And I got very honest that like right now, God is not at the center of being the highest influence in my life. And I think that Mm -hmm. we, as people have an ebb and flow of that, right. Where we get caught up in the external um, aspects of life. And it's really easy to do that. And you have to be super intentional about bringing yourself back to like center or home base Mm -hmm. or whatever that is for you. And um, how I have negative influences in my life, just so I have like positive influences. I have the negative influences there too. The ones that inspire greed and and lust and envy, you know, and shame. Like those are not the good voices like on my shoulder to be listening to. But the reality is I am a person. I'm a human being who is very easily influenced and without intention and time and thought, I can go that route mm-hmm. instead of letting myself be influenced by the things that make me feel whole and pure and good and giving and compassionate and empathetic. Mm-hmm. So with the podcast, I like to share these conversations so that they can be thought provoking like at a minimum. Yeah. I like how you acknowledged. And again, we're aware that, Hey, I am super easily influenced. And I think we all are. That's why our friendships and the people that we keep around us, the influencers of our life are so important. You know, it's so like important. I made a list of the people that like, hey, who is influencing me? Who am I allowing to come into my life and have that effect? You know, and it's like, we do need to be conscious about, man, is that somebody that I want to be influencing me, you mm-hmm. know, and making a difference in my life? And I, I chose that um, woman of influence introduction intentionally because When you think of an influencer, sometimes you think of somebody who's like hawking a product, right? Mm -hmm. But a person of influence is somebody who is like trying to make a difference, you know, and trying to uh, help somebody's life, you know. And I see like when I listen to your podcast, it's like I the you spend a lot of time preparing. I can tell because a lot of times when you go on a podcast, you're like, oh, let me just go on and talk, and it's not just going on and talking. You had a podcast about like life's mountains. You know, oh, you yeah. talk about like what you want to pursue. Like you don't have to do everything, you know? And it's like, you talked about the moment between um, where you start something that's new and exciting and all the slog between it to becoming mm-hmm. a master and like what you have to do for that. It's like, you don't have to be a master of everything. Right. Um, but if you want to have true success, you do need to be a master of something. And you have to choose like what you want to pursue and go after with all your heart, you know? And so I... You have these things. I'm like, wow, that's like such a thought-provoking idea. <laughs> you well, know, good. And, and then maybe... <laughs> I think that maybe I'm doing the doing a decent job at getting you to think about things. No, totally. In general, to yeah, think about things really, from a different uh, You know, you make me because you. I don't know what it is naturally. I feel like you come at things from a little different angle than I do naturally. 
you know, just the way I think is a little different. And I'm like, oh, wow, that opens my eyes a lot, you know? So by the um, way, for your listeners who might be curious about that, that I was referencing a book that's called the dip by Seth Godin. mm -hmm. And it talks about like being able to differentiate what is worth pursuing for you, right? Because not all pursuits are worthy of your time or expertise or your excellence or whatever it is. But mm -hmm. like, once you find something, this book really helps you kind of get through the slog and get to the, the upside of the mountain and the other side of the mountain and reap the benefits and like pushing through the things that are worth pushing through and come figuring it, the book helps you determine what's worth it for you, mm -hmm. whether that's professionally and in, in relationships or whatever. So Seth Godin's The Dip. Yeah, there's so much between uh, greatness <laughs> and <laughs> just being normal. And it's like, hey, am I willing to give all that it takes to get there? You know, um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> Which for the record, like I wasn't down to do that in fashion design. Mm -hmm. I love fashion design, but I realized quickly in my first year of fashion school, I'm like, nope. I'm like, nope. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to do whatever it takes to be the best at this. Yeah, when you look at being an NBA coach, and Eric's one of the best at it, like there are sacrifices that he has to make Super. to get there. You know, whereas like most people would be like, man, you know what? I'd rather be able to spend more time with my family or I don't want to stay up till 2 a.m. watching film over and over. And like, it's not always fun. In fact, most of the time it's not. <laughs> but he loves it. Yeah. He loves it. Like, listen, you know, when I met Eric when he was 36 years old and he hadn't, I mean, to my knowledge, he hadn't been, he wasn't like in a serious relationship in a very long time. And he put his career and not just for, not just to like, not just to be the best, but we talk about serving. Like Eric is the type of person who serves his job. The way he feels about his job was never... I want to be the best coach. I want to be remembered forever. His attitude towards coaching is not like that. His attitude is how can I serve my personnel, my players, my coaching staff at my highest capacity? How can I mm -hmm. serve them? Right. And in turn, he's like, how can I serve my bosses, Pat, Mickey, Nick, mm -hmm. all of these people how can I hone my craft to be of optimal service to these individuals, right? In my, in my profession. And I think by doing that, and he's been a great example for me in this is like, by doing that, you wind up being really good, right? When you, and we, this, a lot of this is coming back full circle. It's like, when you focus on the service aspect of it, mm -hmm. you hone in on your greatness. Yeah. That is so insightful to me being a basketball fan and seeing because he's lasted a long time for a reason is because the players that are playing for him are like, we respect this person, mm -hmm. you know? Thank you. And uh, that is cool to hear. And that's why people love you because they can sense it, whether it's real or not. 100%. You know? He's the real deal. Like he's a, and he, I, I, I want to say this also is that he's an incredible father. Mm -hmm. Like, most people like in and and the NBA world, when they find out like he does school drop-offs and pickups anytime that he can, mm -hmm. they're like super surprised, but he's there. He's there. He's very involved with our kids. Like he knows, he always knows what's going on. Like he's an incredible father, you know, mm -hmm. and he still hustles at night and he is watching film and he's communicating nonstop with his assistant mm -hmm. coaches and with, you know, with the front office, he's nonstop like preparing and that's not always easy on a marriage, you know, mm -hmm. to share your person with, with everybody else. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. It's not like, I would be lying to you if I said, Oh yeah, it's super easy. That's why. Like when you ask about a coach's wife, you could ask any coach's wife. I'm pretty confident in like any professional sports. And it's really not, it's not super easy. <laughs> like it's mm -hmm. not the easiest thing. Like you really are sharing your partner with so many other people, but I always come back to the fact that like, I can see what he's doing. I can see why he's doing it. And there's tremendous honor in the way that he operates. Mm -hmm. And I have so much respect for him as like a person separate from me. And I think that in marriage is really important to be two separate people. Like one of our mutual friends had given us this like plaque with this saying, and it's a, it's a Jewish phrase. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to butcher it, but 
really what it comes down to is being two pillars that hold up your roof, right? Yeah. You can't, if you're one pillar in the center, like the roof is going to topple on either side, but you need to have the, the structure where it's you can the, be two separate things supporting a common good and a common cause and the common vision. If you guys are both the same, you wouldn't have each other's gifts. You know, it's like there's things that you can bring to a relationship and things that you can bring to a relationship that are both strengths, but totally different strengths that you can have the benefit of. My wife and I talk about this all the time. Say so like, there's things that I'm really good at and she gets to reap the reward of that because totally. we're married together and I get to totally. reap the reward of who she is. And like, yes, you know, it's fantastic to have partners that are excelling at things, you know, and, but, and it's not always easy. Like, I'm not here to say that like mm -hmm. marriage, like mar married, married life is perfect. Like it's, it's not. And I just think like, I think that like, we need to move away from this idea that you like, especially young women, like this is something mm -hmm. that I try to preach to like young women. When I talk like the goal, the end goal is not getting married. Mm -hmm. Like that isn't the goal because once you get married, like a whole other world. That's just the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the beginning. Like, cause there's this whole crazy other journey throughout the marriage, mm -hmm. like, and how people change over time and how you guys find your ways back to each other over and over and over again. And how love is a continuous choice. Like mm -hmm. it has to be a choice because living with somebody forever who's different from you is not easy. It's just not always easy. It's, it's not like not normal. It's, yeah. You know, so you have to, mm -hmm. it's, it's not for the faint of heart. I don't think marriage is for the faint of heart It's for, you know, like you have to be ready to really go in on doing mm -hmm. the work on yourself nonstop and then working on, on the relationship and the partnership and the vision and the shared experience mm -hmm. forever. You have to be meek in a marriage. And when I say meek, I mean like not it's easily so offended. You know, mm -hmm. like willing to have somebody kind of like say something that hurts oh, you your feelings and then also not take it personal and be like, okay, I'm not going to get mad all the time about this, you know? And that's and so then hard. at the same point, like you need to be willing to just try to find ways to send that message of, I want to put you first. I want to, you know, build you up and help you be happy. Um, again, it's like not a natural thing to want to like think about your partner first. Well, but, and it's also easy to like, get used to it right like mm -hmm. yeah you see somebody every day and you're like yeah okay life is happening like kids and work and this and that like it's all going so fast you know so it's easy to let the intention drop off you when have to be intentional <laughs> <laughs> when i get home my wife's like oh you need to put me first more i heard you talking about it on the podcast you need to <laughs> there you go girlfriend <laughs> um, what does a successful life look like to you? Oh my gosh, you know, happiness and peace, peace, mm -hmm. peace of mind. When I was little, I would always like at 11, 11, or like when I would see a shooting star, like blow out my birthday candles. Like ever since I was a small girl, I wished for peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And I feel comfortable sharing that because, you know, I'm not superstitious in the sense that like I shared my wish with you guys and now <laughs> it's, it's over, it's gone. <laughs> not going to come through. I actually think that the more people I tell about my wish, I feel like God and the universe are conspiring to give it to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think peace is the most important thing in life. You know, it's like being comfortable yeah. with who you are and the decisions you're making and, the, and, the, and, you know, who you are as a person, just feeling that like nothing I'm doing is counter. But I do want to say, Will, like on a very, on a more literal level about like mm -hmm. what success looks like. You know, like that's what spiritual success looks, feels like for me is peace, mm -hmm. right? Like a connection to my higher power, like peace of mind, safety, right? Like spiritual mm -hmm. safety, trusting harmony. myself, mm -hmm. knowing myself, harmony. Yeah. Um, but in, a, in the physical world, because I think that like, we, we should talk about those things too. Um, I want to be earning a living or be rewarded for the gifts that I'm giving and the services that I'm doing mm -hmm. in a way that feels good to me. And mm -hmm. so I will say this, and it's like, maybe it's taboo to talk about, but like I got, so I was a teacher for five years and I was a teacher of the year at the school that I taught at in an inner mm -hmm. city school in little Havana. And I love teaching. It was like the first time I really felt like I was doing 
my calling. Mm-hmm. I was able to teach English language arts, which I love to seventh graders. I was able to coach the dance team of like mostly girls, one boy on my team. And um, I took a bunch of like kids who didn't dance and they became national champions from like their hard work and dedication. Mm-hmm. And they're just really just drive. And I hosted an art club. Like I got to do so many things that like really fill my heart and where my life was going at the time, it just, it became so strenuous, you know, and I became so frustrated with the, with the education system as a whole that it really, and I think it's so sad because there are so many incredible teachers that leave the profession because it's not sustainable. Yeah. You do need to make money in this life. <laughs> you need to. And like, so it's funny because like Eric would always tell me like, but you don't need to, like I earn a, a, a great living for our family. Yeah. He could take no care doubt. of you. I think last time I looked. Yeah. Yeah. Like no doubt. Right. But it was something for me that I'm like, I, I need to do this for myself. Like I mm-hmm. want to earn something that feels good for me because now mm-hmm. I have the, I have the ability to like develop my podcast and earn however I earn my money and my, like the, like the material, you know, the very real mm-hmm. part of it. But I also get to volunteer my time at schools on my terms where I'm like, mm-hmm. I get to now give this for free. I get to give this, I get to just mm-hmm. give free because I love doing it. You know? So I do, I want to say that because like, what does success look like for me? I think a lot of it is, has to do with freedom too, freedom of choice. Like, but the root is the spiritual root. Mm-hmm. And then we go out into the external world and we can say, okay, this is how I feel about what I'm doing, what I'm giving mm-hmm. back the services that I'm providing, how I feel um, like respected and, valued in a system. Mm -hmm. And I think that the teaching profession as a whole, like just needs to, needs to shift. And I don't think it ever will. Needs to be valued more. Totally. Totally. One of the things that I liked, uh, uh, and this is a previous podcast that you just, uh, I've noticed a sense of you talking about your relationships and the people uh, that you love. And I, I feel like there's so much happiness and success from our relationships. You know, and to me, uh, success looks like, do I have really great friends? Mm-hmm. Do I have people that I love being around and they love me too? Yeah. You know, uh, and that's a, a huge part of success. So. Amen to that. Amen to that. You know, um, and I feel so lucky, Will, because I don't have many superficial friendships. Like, I think as a person, I like kind of exude this energy of in within my friendships and relationships is like, we're going to have the real deep conversation. We're going to You're talk a deep person. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like we don't, I'm not like a, like I get mm-hmm. social anxiety because I'm like, it's hard for me to, to talk about the weather and do small talk. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Like now. And that's part of why I drank so much too. Is like, I had so much anxiety. Now I'm just like, I'm a lot more comfortable in who I am and I can be like, okay, I can go to a party and I'm going to be that girl who like asks you how you're really doing, how you're really doing it. I will actually hold space for you to give me the legitimate answer to that. They're like, "Uh, I didn't want to talk about that heavy stuff right now. (laughs) Here for that. I'm like, okay, well, just know that I'm your girl when you're ready. Yeah, I'm there. Um, What is the, I guess, the most important piece of life advice you could give our audience? I always say that the work is worth it like the work on yourself and your soul and your like spirituality is worth it. The work is worth it. Like I would be in a completely different space if I had not worked on my relationship with God, if I had not worked on my relationship, let go of my resentments towards people, places and things. Um, That's my advice is like the work is worth it. If you also like, if you feel like there's something that you need to pay attention to, within yourself, that's not a mistake. Like you're not imagining that. Like a lot of the things that we, and I can say this for sure about alcoholism anyway, is like a lot of our stuff is self-diagnosed. And I'm not talking about physical diseases. Like don't go Mm -hmm. Google crazy and be like a Google (laughs) doctor and think like, no, you have this thing. But like the things that we feel inside, like we have to pay attention to those and honor them. And really when we feel something, trust your gut and look at it, mm-hmm. look at it. And if you think something needs to change within you, you might be, you're probably right. So that Absolutely. would probably be my, my biggest life advice. Well, that's great advice. The work is worth it. You know, uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's well, been uh, delightful to get your take on a lot of different things. And uh, for those who want to 
continue listening to Nikki and and not listen to me as much. Uh, the No with Nikki Spo is the name of her podcast. It's terrific, and uh, she's got some great guests that she has on there. But she also has these, you know, twenty twenty five minute podcasts that are just about self improvement and you know thinking about your life and and how you can get better. And uh, I love those. So thanks for coming on. We want to wish you the best with your pregnancy. You know, another eight weeks, you'll have a, a beautiful baby girl. So congrats on that. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Will. Thank you so much for listening to The Know. If you loved this episode, go ahead and share it with a friend. Words are so powerful and someone may need to hear what we covered today. And if you really loved this episode, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review. Your comments are so important and valued and they give other listeners insight on what to expect on The Know. You can connect with me personally via Instagram at Nikki Sap Spo and The Know with Nikki Spo. My hope for you today is that you are fearless in looking inward so that you can be your highest, most authentic self and go after the life of your dreams. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL.